you know, we're still fighting the same battle that Peter and the apostles fought, that the prophets of old have fought. What do you think that greatest battle is today? Well, since you're not responding, I'm going to give you the answer. Do what? Self. That is a pretty huge battle. But you know that the greatest battle that we're still fighting today as believers is the battle for the Word of God. That this is God's Word. That we need to pay attention to the Word of God. That it is important that we have something that we say that we stand on. Right? We, we sang a lot of songs this morning about the gospel. Well, where does that gospel come from? The Word. You can talk out loud. The Word. God gave us the gospel. He gave us the gospel through the prophets. He gave us the gospel through the apostles. Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, gave us the gospel. Um, it is the Word that is the greatest battle today. Because, you know, it started out that way in the garden. You remember in the garden? The, during the temptation there in the garden, the serpent said to Eve, Has God really said? And we're still going through that today. There are people out there who question God's word and the authority of God's word, the authenticity of God's word. And you and I have a large task at hand, and that is to not only stand on the Word of God, but teach and preach the Word of God. Well, that's exactly what Peter's doing in Second Peter chapter 1. He is preaching the Word of God. And he's telling these believers that they needed to pay attention. You remember last week? We talked about the importance of paying attention to the Word. Why do we need as believers to pay attention to the word? Why did they as believers need to pay attention to the word of God? Now, do you know that word pay attention? I didn't give you this last week, but there's another significant meaning to that word. It means to be addicted to. Now, we get that, don't we? Right? In our, there are so many addictions. We have to be careful when we say, I don't really have an addiction. I bet you all of us have an addiction in some area. There's something that takes us away more than it should. Well, Peter wanted these guys to pay attention to, as he called it, the more sure word of God. Paying attention is something that we do when we go see our tax guy or gal, don't we? We sit in that room we, and we're going like this. Our hands are writhing and we're going, oh no, what's coming next? How much do I owe Uncle Sam, right? We pay attention when we're in the doctor's office and he's about to give us a diagnosis of what's going on. Friday, I sat in this doctor's chair uh, because I hadn't been feeling well at all. My body's been aching. My face is, feels like it's on fire. If you look at my face now, it's probably red as it can be. I feel like I could like put an egg on there and fry it. And so I went to the doctor Friday afternoon and I sat in the chair, and he took this long Q-tip. You ever had, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Young people, if you've not experienced a long Q-tip, it's awesome. You sit in the chair, and that doctor put that Q-tip in places I didn't know that I even had. And when he came back, guess what? 
they, they put it in this little testy thing and they, they said in 10 minutes we're going to be able to tell you if you have the flu or not. Came back in 10 minutes and said, Thad, you don't have the flu, but you have some kind of virus. What does that mean, right? I went through that whole nose thing for that, but I was, listen, I was paying attention to that doctor because he had a diagnosis for me. We understand that, right? That kind of thing, the importance of that. I read a humorous story about FDR. Now, young people, you know who FDR was, right? I'm not so sure anymore. They don't teach history in school. Just in case you need to know, 32nd president, right? That's a pretty funny story. Uh, He often received guests, obviously, and there were long receiving lines at the White House. Um, He complained to one of his staff members that no one really ever paid attention to what he was saying when they were coming through the line. And so one day... During a reception, he, de- he decided to try an experiment. And to each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> to which the guest responded with phrases like, Marvelous! Keep up the good work, Mr. President. We are proud of you. God bless you, sir. It was not until the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his words were actually heard. Somewhat embarrassed, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I thought that was funny. Well, we do need to pay attention, don't we? And God's word tells us in 2 Peter that we should do so. Last week, we looked at one of those reasons why we should pay attention to the word of God, all right? That was the question before them. And we answered last week, the first part of that is that we should pay attention to the word because it provides guidance. It gives us guidance. It's like when you're putting together like uh, something for your kids at Christmas time. Those, those instructions, they give you guidance. Now, men, they're so prideful, they're not going to use those instructions, right, men? We can figure it out on our own. Until it comes to the point where you say, hey, babe, you, you, you've, I've done that many times. I can't do this. But the, the instructions are there for you to put it together. And it's like our lives. It's so beautiful. God has given us his word so that we can live to his glory right? So that we can live honoring him. Uh Uh-oh. So we can live honoring him because we want to honor the Lord with our lives. I mean, the apostle Paul had as his his example that he wanted to do everything to please the Lord. That was in front of the apostle Paul all the time. And so the word provides guidance and guidance has to do with this doctrine of illumination. That God's word brings forth truth. It helps us as we walk the paths that God has given uh, to us. It emphasizes, as we looked at last week, the appropriation of truth. This morning, we want to look at verse 20 and maybe verse 21. I'm not going to tell you for sure verse 21 because I really have a few things I want to share with you about this doctrine that we talk about this morning. That's the second point. We not only should pay attention to the word because it provides guidance, but the word comes from God. It's from God. All right, it's from him. If you look in your Bibles in 2 Peter in the uh, first chapter, look in verse, verse 20. Peter writes this. 
But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now, I've given you some notes there and defined some terms for you, and you're free to look through those. I think it's important that you do so. But the point of the verse is that revelation comes from God. Revelation, as it says, deals with the disclosure of spiritual truth. It emphasizes the source of truth. The source of all truth is from who? The source of truth is from God. In fact, Jesus Christ identified himself in John 14. He says, I am the way, the what? The truth. The truth. Isn't it amazing to look in our culture today and see people searching and searching for the truth? I mean, they do. And they do it deliberately because they want to know. But then I think our culture has even come to the point of saying, you know what, truth is what you say. Truth is what you believe. Um, but what about the source of truth? Did you guys actually um, get a chance to read Friday's paper by any chance? Um, did you see the religious section? All right, so there's a picture. I don't know if you guys can see that. It's like show and tell in elementary school, right? And um, the title of this article is The High Road. I'm going to say that again, The High Road. We're not talking about Denver. Underneath, the subtitle is Pot Churches Proliferate Estates Ease Access to Marijuana. Now, this is, you can go pick it up and go back and look. I'm sure they still have papers. Nobody buys one anymore. Um, this church meets in San Jose, California. And there's just one line that I picked up on. And I thought, man, that's, that's very interesting. Now, in the beginning of the service, they um, say the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of the service, they end it with the Lord's Prayer. And in between, they smoke a little marijuana. Well, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what it says. But in the middle of the article, it has these words written. This church has no central authority. Man, that caught my eye. I read that whole article, I thought, no central authority. That's a problem. But the reality is that they really do, my goodness gracious. The reality is that they really do have a central authority. Who is that? Themselves. Self. I need a bigger podium self so they're incorrect they have as the authority themselves um, for the believer our authority is the bible it's the lord the lord is our authority so revelation deals with the disclosure of spiritual truth and do you know how important this was for these believers to come to if you go back to in your little handout i gave you that word first there in verse 21, first of all, that phrase in the original language actually appears in the beginning of the sentence. So it reads this, knowing first of all. That's the way it reads. So this is very important for you to understand as hearers. You have the more sure prophetic word. You need to pay attention to it because it provides guidance. And because it comes from God. It is from the Lord. Um, 
I like what John MacArthur, and you could, John MacArthur, John Walford, Wayne Barber, all these guys, I think they, they copied off each other. They had pretty much the same quote. MacArthur's point here, he says, Peter's point in verse 20 is that absolutely no portion of Scripture came into existence based on the prophet's own ideas or thoughts. I mean, Jeremiah didn't get up and say, well, this is what I'm going to write tomorrow. Right? They didn't do that. In fact, verse 20 is, is gonna, 21 is going to even further educate us on the fact that the point in verse 20 is about the origin of Scripture. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? It came from God. You think about how God spoke to people. I mean, he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. How did he speak to Balaam? Through a donkey, right? You have in the Old Testament, you have him speaking through dreams and visions. Well, the Bible tells us in these last days, he's chosen to reveal uh, his word to us through his what? Through his son, Hebrews chapter 1. We have God's word in front of us. It reveals. It's God's revelation. It gives to us guidance. It does not come from man's own ideas or thoughts. Which leads us to, and I think, an incredibly important question as you think in light of the context of Second Peter. Why was this instruction so imperative for these believers? Why was it so important for them to understand? You remember the context Peter had just shared with them about his experience, John's experiences, and James' experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he said to them, remember he said, we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were what? We were eyewitnesses of his glory. So what's Peter saying? Hey, listen, we saw what's coming. But then he said, we heard from heaven, right? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Problem. The believers that he's writing to didn't experience the same thing, right? But what does Peter tell them in verse 19? You have the more sure prophetic word. In fact, he uses the word we. We all have the word. All right, and so it was important for these believers to grasp this fact. They had the word of God, and that's what they needed to stand on. That was their firm foundation, so to speak, all right? So in answer to the question, why was this instruction so imperative? Simple answer, false teachers, false teachers. Notice in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. Could I get somebody to go get me some water in this cup? Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate that. The reason that these guys needed to take a hold of this instruction and believe that revelation was from God was because of false teachers. Notice verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be also false teachers and notice, what that, what's that next phrase? False teachers what? Among. Among. It reminds me of the passage in Acts 20 when Paul calls the Ephesian elders to Miletus. And what does he say about false teachers? That they would rise up from within their own midst. Why don't you take your Bibles and go back with me to 
the book of Jeremiah. Peter tells these believers, listen, there will be false teachers in your midst, but there were also false prophets. There's nothing new. In fact, Ezekiel 13, thank you, Jim, very much. It's Jim Franklin, by the way, an Auburn fan. Don't hold that against him. I know I do. Okay, so Ezekiel 13, verse 3, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. Now, guys, as we look at this passage in Jeremiah, I promise you something's going to happen to you. We're going to be reading through this, and you're going to go, oh, my goodness. False teachers are all around us. They're everywhere. You don't even have to leave your TV on long to find them who are saying words like this. I have a new revelation from God. Really? Revelation comes from God, right? It comes from God. We have the canon of Scripture. It's closed. Well, Jeremiah, Dad, you have to turn to Jeremiah too. Can't just tell the people to do that. All right, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. I didn't tell you what chapter, did I? Sometimes I get so excited I forget what chapter. Man, Don, thank you for that stool. Jeremiah 23. Now, if you were to outline Jeremiah 23, verses 9 through 32, let me give you kind of just this um, quick outline. In verses 9 through 12, we find Jeremiah's despair. He is downtrodden because of false prophets that were in his midst. Look at verse 9, and let's read through verse 12. As for the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I have become like a drunken man, even like a man overcome with wine, because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of what? Adulterers. For the land mourns. The land mourns because of the curse. The pastures of the wilderness have dried up, and their course also is evil. And their might is not right. Look at verse 11. For both prophet and priest are what? Polluted. By the way, guys, false teachers have a stench to them. Okay? And I want to tell you what that stench comes from. It comes from the fact they are not standing on a solid foundation. They stink. Listen, when people ask you, what do you think? That's one question. When people ask you, what do you believe? That's another question. Because what you believe is tied to what? God's word. What you think is tied maybe just to your opinion. So he says, for both prophet and priest are polluted. Even in my house, look at that, I have found their wickedness. Even in my house. Same messages from Acts chapter 20. Even in my house I have found their wickedness, declares the Lord. Therefore their way will be slippery be like slippery paths to them. They will be driven away into the gloom and fall down in it, 
for I shall bring calamity upon them. What does that mean? He's going to judge them. He's going to judge them. Just like, listen to me, just like these guys today who are false teachers, who are so consumed with what people think that they're willing to alter the message. It happens. Because if I talk about the doctrine of sin, I'm going to lose people. I just can't do that. Right? If I'm going to talk about the doctrine of justice, I can't do that because I'm going to lose people. You see? Because people want a nice, kind message. Well, I've got, I've got some good news for you. God gives us a nice, kind message. He does. He loves us so much that he demonstrated his own love to us and that while we were yet, what, sinners, Christ died for us. That's great stuff. Well, so you have Jeremiah's despair. It ends with judgment, verse 12, the promise of judgment. Verse 13 through 15, there's a comparison made between the idolatrous prophets of Samaria and the adulterous prophets of Jerusalem. Look at this, verse 13. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria, I saw an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. They prophesied by what? Baal. And led my people Israel astray. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, whoa. Every person who opens God's word has a responsibility to teach God's word. I know this weekend the ladies had a tremendous conference. Do you know the foundation of that conference? It wasn't the leadership. The foundation of that conference is the word of God. They taught the word of God. Um, So the prophets of Samaria, verse 13, were idolatrous. The prophets of Jerusalem were adulterous. Notice verse 14. Also among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. The committing of adultery. And notice this next phrase, walking in falsehood. That's lifestyle. Walking in falsehood. And they strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. Remember last week we talked about that the word illuminates. Men love what? They love darkness rather than light. No one turned back from his wickedness. By the way, young people, just an insert here. Sin does satisfy for a short time. Are you listening to me, young people? Write that down. Sin does satisfy, but for a short time. And then there's great consequence. And all these people that are sitting around you with gray hair or no hair, they can tell you that. So, they walk in falsehood and they strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom. Not, this is not really a great comparison, okay? This is awful. All of them become to me like Sodom and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. There is a picture. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I am going to feed them wormwood. That picture there is of bitterness, affliction. I am going to feed them wormwood and make them drink poisonous water. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, pollution has gone forth into all the land. I mean, it's impacting all the land. But there's judgment there in there in verse 15. He ends it with judgment. And then in verses 16 through 22, there's a call to reject the prophets, the false prophets. Notice verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. Now look at this. This is very important because this ties to the second Peter part in terms of revelation. They speak a vision of their own imagination. Not from, what's that next phrase? Not from the mouth of who? The Lord. All right? Remember the source of revelation is who? It's God. You think about revelation, you think about general revelation. God has revealed himself to all men through creation. In fact, Romans 1 tells us that the man's without what? He's without excuse. And then you have special revelation. We talked about that a few minutes ago. God's revealed himself through dreams and visions and so forth and so on as we talked about a while ago. So they are leading you into futility, he says. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. By the way, did you know over 3,800 times in Scripture, there's affirmation that God's word, right, as these authors were writing, they acknowledge over about 3,800 times, as, as much research as I did on that, that what they wrote was from God. It wasn't their own. It did not originate with them. Verse 17, notice he says, they keep saying to those, all right, so this takes us to continually talking about rejecting false teachers. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. <laughs> uh, by the boy, listen to that, right? Does that sound familiar today? By the way, peace comes in knowing God. That's where peace comes from. You know, people today, they want peace in their circumstance. Well, you can have peace in your circumstance if you know the Lord. You sure can. Well, so he says, they say to those who despise me, notice that, that's strong language, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say, calamity will not come upon you. Wow, that sounds like a group of people I know today. Can you think of them? Health and wealth and prosperity theology. Mm. They say calamity will not come upon you, verse 18. But who stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listened? Man, listen, this is the Old Testament pay attention part. <laughs> you right, you want it disconnected. Pay attention. Behold, the storm of the Lord has gone forth in wrath, 
even a swirling tempest. It will swirl down on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. Guys, if you want to see the wrath of God being poured out, read Revelation. You know what people say? Well, that can't really be true. You know, even within Christendom. Right? They'll say, oh, that's not literally true. That's not literally what's going to take place. And my response is, well, the Bible says... Um, what else do you say? The Bible says... Now, notice verse 21. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. Guys, that's, what, that's what's going on in today's church. It's happening. It's happening. It is. We're meeting right now. Somebody's out there saying, I got a word from the Lord. Well, I hope it's from the Lord. Because if it's from the Lord, they're going to turn to the book. Verse 22. But if, look at this. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people. Do you get that? Man, that's strong language there. I read that and I got, mm. Because if I don't care whether you're teaching Awana kids or Sunday school kids, right? All the way up through high school that are taller than me. I don't care if you're teaching ladies or men or whatever. The source that you have is God's word. And our responsibility, guys, listen to me. If we truly love people, our responsibility is to tell them the truth. And we can tell them in love. You know, I get that question thrown at me all the time. Well, that, but we got to tell them in love? Well, sure we do. Sure we do. We code it with love, but the reality is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. You know, when I was a little kid and growing up in the neighborhood, and we did five-day clubs and VBS in the summertime, I mean, all, I remember that wordless book. And that wordless book starts with what? Huh? Sin. Right? It starts with sin. That's a simple illustration, but you know what? People today don't want to hear that. They want to start with love. Well, you know what? If you start with sin, it's going to lead you to love. That's what's going to happen. And so it says here, but if they had stood in my counsel, they would have announced my words to my people. So whatever age group you're teaching, you're, listen to me, your responsibility and my responsibility is not to entertain people. I do not have the call to entertain people. You ought to know that by now. I'm going to share this with you. We had a meeting just um, a couple of weeks ago, me and two or three guys, leadership in the church, and we were talking about discipleship and small group ministry. And we're really going to push that hard in the fall. There's a lot of things that go around small group ministry. You know, you got the fellowship and you got the prayer and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. But those groups come together to do what? Study God's Word. And the leadership of grace, if you're visiting with us today, this is like for you, right? 
the leadership of Grace Community Church at Deerfoot is, listen, is committed to the Word of God. We want to put you in small groups where you have an opportunity to interact with people, with other believers. But you're all gathering around what? The fellowship of God's Word. That's what you're gathering around. All right, that's just a brief commercial. I just think that's a really strong statement in 22. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have announced my words to my people, which aren't always easy to hear, and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. So there's a call to reject in verses 16 through 22. And then look at 23 through 32. The Lord sees all and will hold, this is very important if you're wanting an outline, the Lord sees all and he will hold false prophets accountable for their words and their actions. Just by the way, just like he will hold all of us responsible. One of the things that they didn't tell me at Southeastern Bible College when I was going to college, you know, it's almost been 35 years ago since I started. Hard to believe I'm that young. But as, as I look back 35 years ago and through all the time, I'm sure they went over the verse, but it didn't stick with me until later on in my life. Teachers incur a stricter judgment. So that person that's teaching you, you pray for them, right? Pray for them. Well, so verses 23 through 32. Notice what it says. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord? And not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. Nah, nowhere to hide. Adam and Eve tried that, didn't they? How crazy was that? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. Can a man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. Um, this reminds me, and I've got to turn there, you don't have to, but it reminds me of the fact that God's word penetrates. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight. What's that do for you when you think about that? There's no creature hidden from his sight. What does that immediately bring up in your mind? Man, Lord, there's nowhere I can go. You know everything about me. Everything. Well, verse 24. Can a man hide himself in the hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, but look at this, who prophesy falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream, I had a dream. Wow, that sounds somewhat familiar. How long, he says, 
Is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy falsehood, even prophets of the deception of their own heart? Look at verse 27. Who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal. I was in a church one time years ago, and I'll never forget this. guy comes up, and he opens the word, and he reads seven verses, and he shuts his Bible. This is the pastor. And he shuts his Bible, and he talks about something. There was no mention of the word. It was all these experiences. Guys, I could tell you stories. I got a lot of stories. I got a lot of stories on my roommate in college. I could tell you. That's not what it's about. It's about the word. He says, verse 27, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal. And we have to be careful. There's a caution here. There's a caution that we could stand up high and mighty and say, I'll never forget. But do you know what? I have a question for you. How often are we opening up God's word? Is it a daily habit in our lives? See, because if it's not, we are susceptible to false teaching. You are. I am. We have to open God's word. We have to be ready to make a defense. That's what the scriptures tell us. We have to make it a habit in our lives. Real quick story. There's an admirable, admirable, an admiral addressing an audience at the University of Texas. Maybe some of you have seen this particular YouTube video. If you haven't, write it down. It's a, it, I think they have like cuts of it so you can go in there and look from one minute to like 30 minutes or whatever. But he uses the analogy of making a bed. Any of you ever seen that? Several of you. I'm going to tell you to the ones who don't know. He uses the analogy of making a bed. And he talks about developing that habit every day. Having that purpose. When you get up in the morning, I make that bed. I've completed that task. And I thought as he's given this analogy about making a bed, I thought, okay, making a bed is one thing. Right? And that's a task I can look at and say, I'm done. But opening God's word is quite another. And having the availability to do that all the time. All right, almost done. Verse 28. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. Let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declare the Lord. Now listen to this. I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, the Lord declares. And that's going, listen, that went on then, and it's going on now, in the form of false teachers. Verse 32, he closes this section with this. 
Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting, yet I did not send them or command them, nor do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. That's pretty strong language. In other words, if you want to sum up, they're useless. There's no profit. Now, as you come back to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter 1, Peter's telling these believers, pay attention to the word because it is a lamp shining in a dark place in this world. It illuminates. And in verse 20, he's saying, knowing first this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. It does not originate with man. So as you look at the bigger context of why in the world is Peter saying all this, it's because there would be false teachers among them. As we close this morning, I want to give you a warning from the word. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. In verse 18. Here's the warning. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. Verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of the book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Now that's a solemn warning. It's a solemn warning, not only in the context for the book of Revelation, but it's a solemn warning to anyone who would alter God's word. When I was in New York State, I was part of a ministerium for just a little while. It didn't last long. Every Thursday morning, we would have chapel with students. And um, in that rotation, I would speak probably to the students once every six to eight weeks. Without fail. Every single time I walked through that door, one of the students would raise their hand and say, Hey, Thad, so-and-so read this. What does it mean? Hey, Thad, can we pray to God? Because so-and-so said we couldn't. Hey, Thad, some say that the gospel is salvation by grace through faith, not alone, but plus works. Hey, Thad, what does the Bible say? So as you and I are charged to be among people, guys, let's not forget this. We do not have to make up stories. We give them the book. 
The Bible says. The Bible says. Unlike these pot-smoking folks out in California, we have something to stand on. We have an authority. And that is God and his word. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to get in your word. And what a picture we have from Jeremiah of false prophets who were, <laughs> they were making headway. I mean, they, people were buying in to what they were saying, what they were proclaiming. And they were being taken away into wickedness. And according to what is said here in your word, they weren't turning back. Um, that's a sad picture. Lord, help us to stand on your word. Help us to know that we don't have to fabricate anything. We don't have to try to make something sound good. Well, if there's one phrase I'm tired of hearing, that's it. How can we make this sound good so people will want to come back? Man, Lord, I can't think of anything better than um, that you've given us your word, your love letter, because you love us. And while the instruction is hard at times, you, you love us. And while we look at the things that go on in terms of judgment, even our own judgment that will take place one day, um, you love us. And Lord, I pray there, there may be some in this audience today who do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so I pray that um, your spirit would work mightily in their heart today. Um, convict them of their sin. As your word tells us, the spirit does that. And Father, help them to know that placing their faith and trust in Christ is the only way of salvation. It's by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And uh, we thank you for that. Help us to be good stewards of the time that you give us every day so that we, are, we can walk away saying, hey, I've been addicted to God and his word today. Help us to do that. And Lord, help us to know that just as you had the best in mind for those people there that Peter was writing to, you have our best in mind. The source of truth is you and your word. And we thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen.